Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Joe Mager from Motley Fool Inside Value. Chris is out this week, so we're having a little bit of a party in the studio without him. What? <laughs> yes. There is a spinning top right now. Uh, Joining me today is Tim Hansen from Motley Fool Asset Management and Jeff Fisher and Brian Hinman from Motley Fool Pro and Options. Welcome, guys. Hey, Joe. Thank you, Joe. We managed to. Well, thanks for coming back, Tim. We didn't really break anything. And, no, no. And day two of the great Chris vacation. Uh, we got a lot to cover today, including tough times at Staples and Netflix's foray into Scandinavia. But let's start with China. Uh, Bloomberg reported last night that the number of brokerage accounts held by Chinese investors and own stocks has fallen off a cliff. Now, meanwhile, we're seeing a lot of pros start to move into China because the market's been drubbed. So, Tim, you're a resident China guy. Who do you think has it right, the pros or the locals? We got to remember that both both sides here are looking at the market very differently. You know, the the Asian markets tend to be, generally speaking, very momentum oriented, and, and investors are pretty unsophisticated in how they think about investing. And so, whether it's Korea, you know, or China, or Vietnam, you know, if, if stocks start going down, people pull out, which is, you know. Not, do the pros do it differently? Not to call us more sophisticated, <laughs> but the way you're supposed to do it, right, is buy when things are cheap and sell when they're expensive. So, you know, China, it's, it's more of a gambling, short-term, momentum-oriented market. The, the investors who are trying to move in there now are, are, are larger, arguably more sophisticated institutions that are looking for value in long-term holdings. Um, so I think, I think what the pros are doing makes a lot of sense, provided you're willing to, you have, you know, you're willing to tolerate volatility and uh, some of the liquidity issues that can be presented in the domestic Chinese market. You know, but as for the, the Chinese investors, I think they don't really know what to do at this point because they're getting crushed in the stock market. They're getting crushed in the real estate investments. They get no yield in their bank accounts. And so they're, they're in a really That's difficult- That's a very different story than what we have. Oh, wait, no. <laughs> the, uh, so, so, you know, China, I think, it, for people looking for, for value and, and have risk tolerance and want to hold for, for many years, I mean, it's hard to argue with a growing consumer culture in a country of 1.3 billion people, and, and it's just a matter of how you get from point A to point B. But point, e, point B, I think, does exist somewhere down the line. Yeah, and I think the thing to remember is so many individual investors in China have had disposable income for not a very long time, and that's why the market is fairly new to them, and that's why they react, they overreact to the market's volatility, whereas the so-called pros, as Tim said, have more experience and may be able to ride these this volatility out a little bit better. So we need a full China is what it boils down to. Gotcha. To help these people. <laughs> I'm glad uh, you're volunteering to be that guy. I'll, I'll do it from here. I'm sure that would work <laughs> spectacularly. Uh, where does China rank for you guys right now in the emerging market spectrum? In terms of? of what you're interested in or where you'd put your money today. Yeah, I mean, I mean, China's you know in, in the funds we've had some good luck that we've been writing about in our in our letters and that were in our recent semiconductor report with you know luxury goods companies selling into China and also with some of the consumer companies like restaurant companies such as you know Adjison, um that are doing reasonably well. I mean, there's some there's certainly some pressure though. You saw it most recently in the Yum Brands earnings report with rising uh, wage inflation. Um, obviously, you're seeing it in any of the import-export businesses, the railroads and, and the steel companies are getting hit really hard. So, you know, China's economy is transitioning now from a, you know, what had been we make stuff that the world sort of takes away from us. And that's that leg is sort of weakening and, and they've got to replace it with something. And, and it's going to be a rocky ride. But, you know, Chinese are, are generally speaking, they're, they're savers. They have uh, growing disposable incomes, as, as as Jeff pointed out. You know, and, and whether it's companies like Apple with the iPhone or, 
you know, um, Todd's with leather shoes or you know, Michael Kors did very well there. We talked about that yesterday. You know, that's a big market opportunity over there. It's a lot of people. And so I think it's still a very exciting one as long as you're willing to tolerate. Again, there's liquidity problems, a lot of corporate governance issues. And so it's a balance of multinational exposure and also some domestic Chinese exposure where, where it feels right. Yeah, my preferred way to get into China still, I think much like Tim, uh, or at least to some extent, is through U.S. companies that are just powerhouses like Starbucks that are starting very small there and should be able to grow with their brand even if Chinese China's GDP uh, grows less strongly in the future. So speaking of tough times, uh, Staples is down 17% today at the 10-year low after choking on its second quarter. <laughs> International sales fell 18%, and the conference call was a total disaster. <laughs> uh, Brian, what's the deal here? Yeah, well, there were two two sort of pieces. You hit on one of them there. Uh, the international division was down 18% on 9% decline in same-store sales. Uh, that has been bad and is seemingly getting worse. Uh, there was noted frustration, almost tangible frustration by management. Uh, and they ended up saying at one point that everything is on the table. So they hinted in a not-so-subtle way that uh, if they can't figure out what the heck they're doing there, they're going to sell off that division. Uh, and the other thing that... Uh, I'm, I'm wondering who the eager buyer of exactly. our paper supplier in Europe is. Yeah, as they've been, as they've been uh, pumping money into that, you know, that division for quite some time now. Uh, and the other side of the, the coin is uh, Staples North America has not actually been doing uh, that poorly. And uh, this quarter, uh, they sort of had a swing and a miss there. They've been investing heavily in their, in their uh, online properties. Uh, you know staples.com, but they also have staplesadvantage.com, which is uh, how they tailor towards mid-sized businesses. Uh, they've been investing heavily there, and all of a sudden they got some increased you know, commodity prices, paper costs that they weren't able to pass on that hit at the same time they were trying to uh, invest for the longer term there, and margins sort of got, sort of got crushed. And all of a sudden uh, investors are saying, okay, there was this one sort of bright spot or sort of you know, spot that wasn't terrible, and all of a sudden that now looks like it is turned. So uh, I think that's what sent investors running away. What happened on the conference call? Somebody dropped an F-bomb? I mean, how did, what made it such no, a debacle? Just, <laughs> within the first few paragraphs of the call, you could see that it clearly was going to be ugly. And, and to management's credit, they were pretty upfront about not being pleased with how things were going. Uh, I tried to do a more research on Staples before. They should have dropped an F-bomb then. They should have. <laughs> Damn it. That would have shown their fortitude. Well, I, I tried to do more research on staples.com, and unfortunately, the site was down before I came <laughs> in, which is really rubbing salt in the wound uh, on their day here. You know, most people don't realize that staples.com is actually a huge business. It's one of the top couple internet properties. Second, only behind behind Amazon. Yeah, it's huge. So unlike, say, a, a Best Buy, which has made virtually no inroads to shifting towards an online model, do you think that they're going to be able to successfully make you know, make the jump, bridge the gap, or is this going to melt away into another Best Buy type well, situation? Well, it's, it's all relative here. They uh, Staples is it's not relative. <laughs> Staples is definitely doing better than Office Max and Office Depot. They have bam. They have, <laughs> yeah. So 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 they so they might live, but the point the 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 point is this industry. Uh, and whenever you're dealing with Amazon, you basically have uh, you know a race to the bottom in terms of margins. Uh, you know the customers here care about price. 
And, you know, Staples can say all they want, how great their customer service is, how seamless their online ordering experience is. The bottom line is when businesses are ordering office supplies, all they really care about is price. Uh, Staples has done a lot to stem the declines, and they've done a lot to distance themselves from other competitors who are shrinking faster. Uh, But ultimately, I think this business is going to succumb to secular margin compression uh, and you know, ultimately go the way of the dodo. Yeah, I saw some buzz on Twitter today where people, and this is where all the great investing thing happens, uh, kidding, but I saw some buzz on Twitter today where people were talking about how this might have been the quarter where Staples kind of went from, oh, we had a bad quarter and times are a little bit tough to, are we in a secular decline story? And I think people are kind of waking up to that now and it'll probably be a a bumpy many quarters and years ahead. Yeah, and Amazon has an EBITDA margin that runs around five, five and a half percent, and Staples is above eight percent. So there's certainly room for unfortunate compression there. For sure. Moving in a very different direction, Netflix announced today that it will offer its streaming service in Norway, Denmark, Sweden, and Finland by the end of the year. Jeff, the international expansion hasn't gone very well so far, mm-hmm. to put it mildly. Are you a fan of this move? I am not. Uh, now, let's let's give some background. Most listeners probably know this, but Netflix is a, a really popular stock at The Motley Fool, a multi-time recommendation in Stock Advisor by the Gardner Brothers. But I myself am a long-term skeptic of the company's business model as it currently stands, where it, it pays for this content in, built, in bulk. And then the problem with that is the more subscribers it has down the road, the more the content providers are going to the more money content providers are going to demand out of out of Netflix. So it almost guarantees margin pressure the more Netflix grows. So now why are they expanding to Scandinavia? This this group of countries has about twenty five million people compared to more than five hundred million in North America, about three hundred million of those in the United States. So it's a fraction of the size. I had no idea you were such an expert on Scandinavia. <laughs> yeah, Wikipedia is fantastic as long as it's accurate. And uh so there, there is not much chance for to move the move the needle at Netflix here at, at in Scandinavia. So why are they doing it? I, I would say because they don't see enough growth potential in North America. But to your point, Joe, they've expanded into the UK, Latin America, Canada, Ireland, all since 2010, and it, it has resulted in losses, growing losses for the company. Now that was planned. They hope in the next couple of years to turn that green, but. I'm a little skeptical. Sounds like a terrible plan. Yeah. I'm I'm skeptical this model, as they currently have it, makes a lot of sense. A model that does make sense to me? Imagine if you have a site where you offer just about every show under the sun to anybody, and they just rent it on a, on a one-time fee basis, one fee each time you, you watch. That's iTunes. To me, that makes a lot more sense. Searchable, you can find whatever you want. Netflix, by trying to offer everything under one subscription service is competing with the entire internet and with every content creator and producer out there. So it's it's a crowded space. Now, one thing going in its favor is TV shows are competing now quality-wise with movies, and there's an endless array of TV shows that Netflix can stream to people. The TV catalog is much larger and much more renewable season after season. So maybe Netflix, it's already moving away. It, it, it mentions TVs before it mentions, or TV shows before it mentions movies when it talks about itself and promotes itself. But uh, so Netflix is a, it's a convenient way to waste your life watching TV. 
Um, the first thing that sprang to mind when I saw this was that Netflix's first show was Lillehammer. And it occurred to me that people in Lillehammer will be able to watch the show Lillehammer. And I suspect they're probably not going to like it. They'll like it about <laughs> as much as, you know, as a native Southerner, I like Talladega Nights. Um, how do you guys feel about the move into doing their own content? I know Lillehammer, I don't think anyone would say it was a big success, but they've got some other stuff in the pipeline in Netflix, namely Arrested Development, the pickup there, which actually has some buzz and people are excited about. Is this like a good move in an HBO sense or a costly distraction? You know, I think it's fraught with risk and, you know, Coca-Cola couldn't make movies work well. So how's Netflix going to create and produce its own successful content? It's a very tough business. Seems really high cost and and low return, to me. Even if it's a smashing success, uh, I don't know that uh, that they're going to be able to get the financial returns out of the investment they're making uh, to make it worthwhile. Well, I don't have to play to play the other side of that. I mean, there are a lot of people floating around California, for example, who want to make interesting programming and don't have the opportunity to do so um, on major networks. And so, you know, that's why you've seen Google investing in creating own, its own professional content for YouTube. Why Netflix probably has an opportunity to do some things, and you know, for a seven ninety nine subscription or a nine ninety nine monthly subscription, you know, that pales in comparison to the price of cable, where Comcast is going to drop you ninety nine dollars, one hundred twenty nine dollars. So if you can get somebody hooked on a single show, you know, getting that extra nine dollars out for them helps them reduce churn and potentially add more subscribers in the United States. And, and so, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, being the middleman, which is essentially what Netflix is now, just the the the, the purveyor of content. That's ultimately a bad business to be in because, you know, as, as the guys pointed out, margin compression exists. If, however, you develop your own unique proprietary content that people want, I mean, that's where you're going to end up getting, um, you know, more profits over time. That's what's made, you know, movie studios, generally speaking, very successful over many, many years. You know, Apple and iTunes is is, is slightly different because, you know, obviously they've, their product is the the device. And so people want the device and then they get the content from them. But if someone can replicate those devices, um, you know, iTunes is going to find itself probably in a very tough spot in terms of in terms of margins because ultimately it's not their content, and the value is all being created by the people who are making it, not the people who are distributing it. Yeah, I mean, I think there are potential wins both ways, and I do agree that it's definitely not in Netflix's wheelhouse, but a shot worth taking. And because I'm the host, we'll move on from there. <laughs> uh, Jeff, I'm glad that you're a Scandinavian expert because even though Chris isn't here, we're going to have a quiz. On Scandinavia oh, here today. Um, Jeff, maybe you can start. Norway has the world's largest population of A, wild horses, B, goats, C, Arctic reindeer herders. I'm going reindeer herders. Brian? Oh, geez. Uh, Your life depends on this answer. I'm going B. I'll take goats as well. Oh, it was Arctic reindeer oh, herders. Yes. Uh, we don't have an exact number, but it's a lot. Um, Jeff, if you're not married by the time you turn 30 in Denmark, what gift do you receive? A, flowers. B, an anthology by Danish author Hans Christian Andersen. C, a pepper shaker. <laughs> I have to go C, pepper shaker. Oh, pepper I mean, shaker all the way. Flowers were always nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It is actually a pepper shaker. A man gets a pepper shaker as a gift. Oh, you didn't say a man. <laughs> oh. Ah. Well, 
I just default assumed we're we're a few guys. Your <laughs> man gets a pepper shaker shaker as a gift and is called a pepper man. What is the is, symbolism is, of is, the pepper shaker? That, I don't think it's seasoned? appropriate to talk about on this show. <laughs> uh, I have no idea. I assumed he's getting he's seasoned. You're getting seasoned there, buddy. You better get married. Wow. I think you might be reading too much. In there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for joining today, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Joe. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy stocks based solely on what you hear. Uh, we're taking the rest of this week off. Chris will be back next week. I'm sure that's a relief to many of you. Uh, Motley yes. Fool Money will be rolling out Friday and Saturday. As always, I'm Joe Mager, and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.